Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Leader. Is this the end of rush hour as we know it? New data has revealed that hybrid working has become a permanent way of life for many Londoners. Millions of rail journeys that were made in and out of the capital pre-pandemic are no longer being made on weekdays, despite the post-COVID economic recovery. This comes as the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, issues a rallying cry for workers to return to offices so they can experience the best the city has to offer. But will it work? Or is this now the new normal? And if so, what does it all mean for the future of the capital? Joining me now is Ross Lydell, the Evening Standard City Hall editor and transport editor. Hybrid working or working from home has obviously become well established certainly during the pandemic and the issue since, if you like, the the end of COVID or the end of the restrictions is how many people are returning to work and how ingrained has working from home become. Now, for the first time, we have figures that are quite precise to London from three of the main commuter rail firms, which essentially indicate that working from home is here to stay and has become very much part of life for many millions of people who would typically commute in and out of London on a five-day basis before the pandemic, who are no longer doing that now. Ross, who are the railway firms in particular behind this data and what is the data saying exactly? This data comes from three of the biggest train companies in the country. We have a Govia Thameslink Railway, which runs the Thameslink services sort of north-south through London, and also the Gatwick Express, the Great Northern Services and Southern, which run out of Victoria. It also comes from Southwestern Railway, which operates in and out of Waterloo, and also Southeastern, which operates sort of mainly through London Bridge and from Charing Cross and some services from Victoria out uh, towards Kent. And what this shows is essentially that about one in four passengers has gone missing on an average basis. A Southwestern Railway is the sort of the worst of the bunch in terms of the, the great return. It said looking at its suburban services, you know, the sort of services that would run to the, the edge of the capital to places like sort of Kingston and Epsom and so on. The metro services there are running only at 68% of passengers compared with pre-pandemic levels uh, for Govia Thameslink and for Southeastern it's about 75% of previous passenger numbers. 
And what does all that mean? Well, essentially on a monthly basis, there are about 20 million fewer journeys being made on these three railways than was the case back in 2019. Uh, in the old days, you'd have about 53 million passenger journeys in and out of London on these three railways each month. That's now down at around 30 million, 33 million. We heard quite a bit about how travel was slowly getting back to pre-pandemic levels. Is this not the case then? Well, what's happened is that uh, passengers are travelling at different times, not just of the day, but of the week. There has been a huge bounce back in terms of leisure travel, by which the industry regards sort of Friday afternoons, Saturdays and Sundays. You know, some train companies are running way above pre-pandemic levels, the likes of LNER, which is the main operator on the high-speed main line on the East Coast, uh, sort of taking people from sort of Edinburgh, Newcastle and York in and out of London to King's Cross. That is sort of around 105, 110% at times during the the weekend. Uh, These three operators we were talking about earlier, they also say that weekend travel is up. The particular pinch point or the problem for them is essentially Monday and Friday travel and particularly in the old rush hours, you know, the idea that these trains that they're running are not full on Monday morning or Friday morning in particular. Some say that Friday afternoons start to get busy when people come into London to start to sort of celebrate the weekend and go out and about. And many people who uh, will be aware themselves of what it's like to catch a train on a Saturday or a Sunday. The trains are very busy at certain times, but not under the old patterns of busy at 8am and busy at 6pm. If these patterns continue as they have been, what are the potential repercussions? Well, the issue here is that if there aren't enough passengers for trains, then the train companies can't put on more services. At present, all the train companies have roughly cut their services by about 15%. So there aren't as many trains running now as there were in 2018 or 2019. And the only way that they can run more trains is by making a business case to the Department for Transport to say, these trains are really busy now, can we run some more services? But as it stands, the numbers simply don't stack up. And it means that there won't be as many trains on the railway in future, certainly in the next few years, unless things change dramatically than there are just now. Uh, That does create some pinch points, but the bigger concern is that the idea of getting more people on the trains and out of their cars will sort of come to a bit of a sort of stumbling block there. That's the sort of the main issue that there won't be as many trains if people don't use them because obviously the train companies can't afford to run trains that are half empty. Sadiq Khan has issued a sort of rallying cry to Londoners to return to workplaces. What has he said? Well, he says that basically there's so much to enjoy in London, especially in central London, you know, come back in. He believes that uh, working in the office is a key thing, especially for younger employees where they can learn from more experienced workers and they can feel like they're part of a team and they can really enjoy London life to the full. You know, he's got the, the tube and the London overground and the Elizabeth line under his control. And there, there's a similar pattern. The tube is busier than the trains on average. You know, the the average sort of tube ridership now is about 85% of pre-pandemic levels. Buses are busier than that. They're around 95%. But again, at the weekend, quite often the tube is at 100% or more of pre-pandemic levels. And if you've ever used the Elizabeth line recently on London Overground, you'll see that they are very busy again. But the issue is that there are certain days... Mondays and Fridays in particular, when the trains have probably more empty seats than they have passengers. 
What are the other potential reasons influencing the trend? One of the other things that the train bosses all made clear is the damaging impact of the strikes, both on the railways and on the tube. And they said, because we've had probably around two dozen or so strikes over the past 18 months involving either the RMT or ASLEF or sometimes both at the same time. We have more strikes coming up. You know, the RMT just recently announced two more strike days on the tube, one of which will overlap with uh, an ASLEF strike day on the mainline railways. And they say not only does this prevent them from running any trains quite often, certainly when ASLEF are on strike, because ASLEF are the union for the train drivers. So if you haven't got any train drivers, you can't run any trains. So not only is that damaging in the sense that You can have hundreds of trains not running every day. But the impact of that as well is that it deters passengers both from travelling because they don't know when trains will be running, so they won't buy tickets in advance. But also, why on earth would they buy season tickets? Because if they feel like one or two days a month will be disrupted, then there's even less reason to buy a season ticket or a sort of weekly ticket. Um, So this is another issue that has probably run on far longer than anybody in the rail industry would want. But until the industrial dispute over pay and conditions is resolved, that will be another factor that restricts the number of people using the railways. One of the other factors as well is said to be the cost of living. So again, while everybody's facing higher household bills and perhaps not seeing their pay rise as quickly as their their gas bill or their council tax bill, it's another reason to stay at home and not spend 10 or £20 a day on travel. If you don't have to travel, why bother? If you can work just as effectively at home or possibly more efficiently at home whilst actually sort of, you know, save a few pounds in your pocket, then that's why people are doing it. Do you think these work and travel patterns are here to stay now? Well, certainly one of the train bosses, Angie Doll, who is the boss of Govia Thameslink Railway, says that she's quite sure that these pa- these work patterns and travel patterns are not going to change now that they're fixed. You know, certainly from our own experience, we know that our company uh, moved, relocated, and it's now in a different office and that many people have become used to working in a hybrid way. They will choose which days they go in and out of the office. And also many offices, many companies now have downsized. So actually they cannot accommodate all their employees on a five-day-a-week basis. So that's the other thing as well, that not only have the employees changed, the employers have made changes as well. So it feels to me highly likely, whether it's good or bad is a separate question, but it feels highly likely that these sort of hybrid working patterns are here for the foreseeable future. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear our financial editor, Simon English, on what this new way of working means for the city and its economy. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 
and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Simon English is the Evening Standards Financial Editor. Simon, how much is hybrid working impacting jobs in the city? Well, it's become a matter of routine, hasn't it? And I think that that thing of people working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday has become standard. I think lately it's changing. And what bankers say to me is uh, increasingly is that that two or three days in the in the office is no longer quite cutting it. They want to see people four or five days, although they're aware that their bosses want to see them more than just the three days a week. You've been speaking to high-profile business leaders about this issue. What have they had to say about it? Well, I think I think for one thing, what they want is uh, certainty. So post-COVID, I think that there was a desire to be nice to staff and to make sure that they were coping and to give them as much support as you know as they could. And and that sort of ethos does continue. At the same time, I think what businesses are saying is, look, we've got this huge office that's quite expensive. How much of it do we need? So if you are going to come in three days a week, let's say, well, we need to have that nailed down contractually. I think it's been wishy-washy from a contractual point of view. And what you've got, I think, now is big firms saying, well, if it's going to be three days a week, which three days is it? Let's be um, certain about about that so that we know how much space we need. What are the potential knock-on effects for the city if hybrid working patterns continue as they have been? Well, obviously, there's going to be less money in town, isn't there? And that's that, that's bad for the centre of London. And I, I think that there's an increasing feeling that that needs to be adjusted. And I think one of the things that firms are doing is sort of making the point to their staff that there's an awful lot to be said for working in London. Uh, you're near the theatre, you know, you're near the West End. There's loads of great bars and loads of great restaurants. And I, and I think what they're trying to, to do is encourage people with those sorts of you know, reminders that there's a, a lot to be said for um, coming into town. And plainly, the more people that there are in town, the better that will be for the economy of London. I think what there's been lately is, is a change of tone, particularly, I think, in the, for the big banks. So during COVID and post-COVID, for very big financial institutions, there was this this feeling that they had of let's not do what we always do, which is when there's a boom in a particular area, you know, say the dot-com boom, uh, or a tech boom, we'll rush off and we'll hire a load of people on huge salaries because we think we need them right then. And then when that boom fizzles out, well, we'll get rid of them all. And during COVID and post-COVID, there was a feeling of let's not be like that. Let's just sit tight and keep what we've got and, and not do that boom and bust thing where we rush to hire and then rush to fire. And, and I think now what you're seeing actually is a return to normality and if they think that that staff aren't pulling their weight, well, they're going to go just the same as they uh, just the same as they always used to. You can read more on this story and others in the Evening Standard newspaper or on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from this episode of the Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at four pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.